Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Black and White Sports Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Quentin Corpuo. On today's episode of the pod, myself and Black and White Business Department member Will Vanderwall briefly discussed Alabama's dominating victory over Ohio State to claim yet another college football national championship. We then discussed the very, very, very wild wild card weekend in the NFL. It was a really fun conversation. I enjoyed myself. He enjoyed himself, and I hope you enjoy yourself when you listen to this conversation as well. So without further ado, here we go. Right. It is seven minutes till midnight here on the East Coast. Alabama just captured their third college football playoff title in six years with a dominant 52-24 to win over Ohio State. Will, I'm honestly impressed that college football was able to finish the season with all the ups and downs with conferences like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 starting late. Numerous numerous programs sprouting with cases every week. The season looked doomed multiple times. The season looked doomed multiple times, but college football got through it. You have a champion, and they were the deserving champion. Yes. I mean, I think you laid out the biggest thing right there. It's another sport that has successfully completed their season. Obviously, yes, there were hiccups. I mean, Saban got covid Obviously, Ryan Day got COVID, and then uh, you obviously have your usual injuries, but the fact that someone was crowned a champion at the end of the day uh, just proves that on some levels it was a success. I think it would have been very 2020-2021 slash if the team that only played six regular season games and literally had the rules changed in their favor to get to the playoff would – beat everyone that no one thought they could. I thought that would have been very representative of this year, but ultimately that did not happen. Alabama just absolutely dominated Ohio State on pretty much both sides of the ball. They outgained Ohio State by almost 300 yards. Mac Jones with a spotless game, 36 for 45, 464 yards, five touchdowns. Najee Harris, 79 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, 79 yards receiving on seven catches, touchdown. And Devontae Smith, mm-hmm. if, if he doesn't, if his fingers don't get absolutely crushed on that one play in the second half where the linebacker absolutely drilled him, I, I think he will, could have had over 300 yards receiving easily. Um, but in the first half, Devontae Smith, 12 catches, 215 yards, and three touchdowns, potentially earning himself millions of dollars and certainly earning the respect of many footballers in the process. I mean, social media was understandably going nuts. This slender man, this slim reaver just constantly finding holes in the Ohio State defense, and Mm -hmm. Mac Jones was able to find him. Will, what has impressed you the most about Devontae Smith, not just in these playoffs coming up huge, but 
just throughout the season? Just his mind. Like, usually people say that the quarterback's, like, the smartest person on the field because, you know, you got to read all the plays, go through your cadence usually. Um, you got to memorize a whole lot of stuff. You got to read the defense. In this case, I really want to say that Devontae Smith is the smartest player on the field. I mean, he just – he knows where to be, and he also knows where Mac Jones is comfortable throwing the ball and is going to throw the ball. I think that their chemistry is ridiculous, but he's 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 got quite the large brain. They they've they've um, been showing on the all the analysis that I mean wherever he he just goes where he's like a good shooter in basketball that knows how to move yeah. without the ball. They are constantly finding the holes in the defense, so they give themselves an opportunity to be past the ball. And that's exactly what Devontae Smith has done, not just in this playoff, but this whole season. And one – actually, two more big keys that really helped Alabama crush Ohio State. One was the offensive line. I mean, this Bama offensive line has been one of the best in the country, if not the best. I'm sh- I was shocked that um, – was it Landon Dickerson? I thought he was – I thought he was done. When he got hurt in the SEC championship, mm-hmm. he was on the cart. And then it's just that Alabama football mentality. Same thing with Jalen Waddell. I thought he was done. And then all of a sudden, oh, boom, he's, he's warming up. He's running full speed. I was shocked that Dickerson was able to play. And uh, that whole Alabama offensive line kept, kept Mac Jones spotless. And I, that's something they really needed to do because Mac Jones isn't exactly the fastest guy out of the pocket and we saw what happened mm-hmm. when he did get pressured he, he fumbled the ball um and then the other the other unit that stepped up was the defense that was the one thing i think made people sort of jump on the ohio state bandwagons because one ohio state carved up a top tier clemson defense and secondly alabama's defense while still a top 20 unit it wasn't as shut down as in past years, but they did a fantastic job of making Justin Fields feel uncomfortable. And they did a fantastic job of shutting down the Ohio state receivers Um, outside of Chris Olave, who had eight catches for 69 yards. No other Buckeye had more than three catches and more than 50 yards. And they held Justin Fields to 194 yards and a touchdown on about 50, around a 50% completion percentage after torching Clemson for 300 plus yards and six touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Will, is there anything else you noticed in this game that you think was sort of an unsung hero in helping Alabama win? Other than um, Trey Sermon's injury, say, injury unluckiness, yeah, I was gonna, I was, I was just gonna mention that uh, Trey Sermon getting hurt. Um, I feel like Alabama still would have won. I just feel like that second quarter, Ohio State would have responded better. Um, they had what was it, back to back three and outs in that yeah, second yeah. quarter. Um, I feel like Trey Sermon helps with that, but yeah, the Alabama defense played their tails off. Absolutely. Today. And 
like we were saying before the college football playoffs that it's not like traditional Alabama defense. Other than the scoreline, they would give up. I mean, they gave up 24. That's not bad at all. Um, it was just a really good um, performance. Agreed. Agreed. Um, so, congrats to Alabama. Something we're used to saying. But uh, we, 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 yeah. d- despite it being, being boring sometimes, we can't not respect consistent excellence that Alabama has displayed yeah. over the past decade. And it, it, it's, it's really unbelievable what they've been able to do. Mm-hmm. So let's put that to bed and talk about the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Super, Super Wild, wild card, card Weekend. weekend. Not just any Wild Card Weekend. So let's go backwards, starting mm-hmm. with Brown Steelers. I knew there was going to be at least one dumb game because that that always happens in wild card weekend there's always one dumb game yeah and when the bears did not um when the bears did not beat the saints i was like oh all right so it's gonna be the browns and oh my god the it, it was like all 18 years of football misery was just let out in the form of actual success and the football gods looked at the the Cleveland Browns and you was like, you know what? Good job. You deserve this. Give them a gift. You could, that is like, you you could not have asked for a better start for the Browns. I Mm -hmm. mean, we, I talked about on last week's pod with Gabe I was wondering which versions of the Steelers and Browns we would see on Sunday because both teams have been Jekyll and Hyde. You've had great performances and terrible performances from both teams. The Steelers, they played a game you have like once a decade. Like, well, you know those, you know, we've both both played organized basketball. You know those practices where literally nothing is going right. Guys are missing layups all over the place. The three-man weave yeah. is is not working. You're forgetting plays. It's all going wrong. That is what the Pittsburgh Steelers embodied. It, they literally they looked like they forgot how to play football. They could not do anything right. And one funny thing, after the fumble touchdown, which – so the ball goes – first of all, those are Marquise Pouncey and Ben Roethlisberger. Those are like the last two people you would expect to make a mistake like that. Two. Yeah, he did his best. Get, he did his best. Peyton Manning. Uh, yeah, the most veteran veterans on the team. Mm-hmm. Pouncey somehow snapping it over six eleven Ben Roethlisberger, and then it goes yeah. over his head. It like slows down at the one yard line. Roethlisberger like goes to get the ball and is just staring at it like it's gonna blow up and then James Conner does like this yeah. half-ass slide next to the <laughs> ball like he's sledding and doesn't even touch it and the ball gets kicked around and the Browns recover and then mm-hmm. they get the pick the play after the Browns get a pick the play after and Collins was like wow this Browns defense can't play I'm like they haven't done anything they literally have just had this game gift wrapped to them so far and then the, it, it was it was just a series of unfortunate events of, of unfortunate events 
for the Pittsburgh yeah. Steelers. Yeah, it was it was wild to watch because Roethlisberger would have some good passes, and then it just looked like he was throwing it to the Browns. I mean, the craziest thing for me is, I mean, obviously that twenty-eight to nothing start. You have thirty-five to ten at the half, but it ended up only being an eleven-point game. Yes, Roethlisberger had four interceptions, but if you only look at the other half, you had four touchdowns at 501 uh, yards. He also yeah. threw the ball 67 times. Yeah, so I guess that is going to happen. But still, 501 yards of offense is – like, you want to see that. Um, also, I do want to point out, the Browns' defense in the second half was on the field for, like, two and a half hours. So that yeah, may have factored in into their pass defense being – rather lax <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah i the, him him and marquise pouncey i i really feel for because i don't think they're yeah i don't they're more pouncey um i saw in a couple of steeler sources that uh he said he, he he had notion that he intends to retire so that's Yuck. yeah um yeah i also get or I saw a lot of people calling for Tomlin's retirement, or not Tomlin's retirement, Tomlin to move on from the Steelers. And I was like, what? Like, why would you move on from the Steelers? Like, it's one game. And then it's people saying that they just want a culture change. And, I mean, this whole Steelers season has just been a wild one. I mean, they were 11-0, yep. weren't they? They were 11-0, and then they went 1-5. Yes, you had the week four half by week because they didn't know halfway through because yeah. of COVID. Um, you got, of course, the dancing on the logos, which everyone's going to bring up every single time. Did you see what Claypool time. said yesterday on his Tech Talk Live? He, he said, no, um, I didn't. He said, yeah, it was a bad loss, but the Browns are going to get clapped next week, so it's okay. Like, you cannot have that kind of mentality. Yeah. yeah I mean – yeah, he is a rookie, so I'll chalk it up to that. But yeah, Juju's been around there for a while, and his comment was, "The Browns are the Browns." Like you just you can't have Absolutely stuff like not. that. You can't. Um, um, yeah, the Steelers when they went one and five in the last part, they lose to the Bengals, they lose to the Bills, they lose to the Browns, and then they somehow scrape together a second half against the Colts. Lost to Washington. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, they did lose. That was their first loss. Was to mm-hmm. the football team. Okay. Yeah. Also, go ahead. Uh, one last point was just that Nick Chubb, kind of at some points, just looked like uh, Jim okay, Brown out, out there. Easy, <laughs> easy. Um, for like, unlike, unlike two, unlike two or three plays. All right, all right, all right. Fair, fair. Um. So, yeah. let me hit you with some. Uh, some pro football focus or uh, actually uh-huh. check that I, or I can't remember if this was PFF or next gen stats. So I was wondering, I was texting with a few friends about this. I was wondering why six, five Ben Roethlisberger kept getting balls tipped at the line. And mm-hmm. Collinsworth pointed out, I think it was after the tip, one of the tip interceptions before the game, as the Browns were strategizing, uh, Kevin Stefanski, the Browns head coach, um, who was not able to be with the team on the sidelines and call plays because of COVID. 
mm-hmm. he told the defensive line, hey, Ben gets the ball out so quickly, you can time your jumps a lot easier. And so according to yeah. Next Gen Stats, Roethlisberger had the fastest release out of all the quarterbacks, meaning the time it takes for uh, yeah. the quarterback to receive the ball and then to him throw the ball. His average was 2.3 seconds from catch to release. So it, huh. it's almost like, yeah, you, you can time it really, really well, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened. And on defense, the Steelers kind of played Steelers like their their schemes. They stuck to their sheen. They blitzed the crap out of Baker Mayfield. But on Mayfield's 15 dropbacks, he wasn't pressured on any of them. And I was waiting for Mayfield to throw like his one Mayfield interception, but it just never happened. He played a really good game. And on for a defense yeah. that we considered the football, the NFL world considered probably the best for a majority of the season, it was shocking to see guys missing coverages. They just looked out of it, getting forty plus points yeah. dropped on them. They they, they mm-hmm. got bullied. They were the ones that got bullied, and yeah. it was shocking to see on Sunday night. And Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth were rightfully going insane because this was just so abstract to our minds yeah. that the Browns succeed in the playoffs. Yeah, points I want to mention out, like tying into yours, was Ben Roethlisberger was actually the most tipped quarterback that sounds in the about NFL, right. even though he stands at uh, 6'5". Um, another point, obviously they didn't hurry the quarterback. They only had two tackles for a loss. Uh, zero sacks, and your point about Mayfield throwing picks, he had eight picks the entire year. Only one of those came in the second mm-hmm. half of the season. So this this is the perfect example of the beginning part of the NFL season doesn't mean yeah. crap. It is all about hitting your stride at the right time. I think other teams that played yesterday um, proved that as well. But this game was just the symbol of that. And my last point was, it seems like the or it seemed like the Browns and the Steelers like reversed roles it, yeah. almost. Like the the Cleveland Browns played had a great line. Um, uh, they were they only had four QB hits, but they were really it seemed like hurrying up Ben. He just looked uncomfortable the entire time. Maybe some of that had to do with the score. Their secondary played really great with four picks. They had a good running game, which is what Pittsburgh used to have with Le'Veon Bell. And they had options down the field with Jarvis Landry like they used to have with Also, yeah, they, the Steelers literally they, – they could, they could not run the ball. And it was – they, yeah. they averaged the lowest yards per game throughout the regular season by, by a wide margin. They averaged only around 84 yards a game. The next closest was, I believe, the Houston Texans, who are like at around 91 yards per game. Yeah, and it's weird because James Conner yeah, is a Connor's good bad. running back. And their O-line isn't bad. It just seems that they're completely a pass protection Yeah, it was, it was weird. Just the steel, yeah, it, yeah. I completely agree with, with your role reversal. The Browns are coming out. The Browns are clearly exiting the football yeah. dark. And the Steelers mm-hmm. seem to be on the track to enter that realm all right let's move on the game before that probably the worst 
game in terms of a uh, football standpoint. The <laughs> Somehow in the playoffs, Chicago Bears versus a Super Bowl contender, New Orleans Saints. Uh, the football was terrible, so we're going to get to that a little later. But first, I want to talk about the Nickelodeon broadcast. So for the first time in the NFL's history, Nickelodeon broadcasted. Uh, no, they did. They did a game they before. When yeah. was that? I'm gonna look it up while you. I'm gonna anyway, look it up while you. Continue. Nickelodeon got broadcasting rights to broadcast an NFL wild card game, and the purpose, or the purpose of what it seemed, is that Nickelodeon wanted to tailor the game to young audiences. They were explaining the rules before the game and as the game went on. Like the audience was five years old. And that was great because American football is friggin' confusing. There's there there's so many rules, and so many like variants of rules. I think the Saints got a false start penalty, and on the scoreboard, uh, young Sheldon popped up and explained what a false start was in kid terms, and I, I loved that. Nate bringing in Nate Burleson was a fantastic idea. He clearly, like, wanted to be on the broadcast. And that's something that, mm-hmm. that was really great. He – another analogy that they were using great uh, – they were using great analogies to really simplify the game of football. He said the first 80 yards of the field are like homework and the red zone is like the test. Yeah. Great explanation. <laughs> there, was, mm-hmm. there was one play where I can't remember which team it was, but – he caught it and then, like, dropped it out of bounds. It was, like, not complete in the process of a catch. And the announcer was like, all right, here's what happened. I'm like, oh, good luck explaining that because no one knows. Still, it's, it's still a mystery as to what is a catch versus what is not a catch. And then lastly, the slime baths. Who doesn't – you can't have Nickelodeon without a slime bath. Uh, my, my favorite one was when yeah. Jimmy Graham – caught the touchdown at the buzzer and then disappeared into the tunnel like shoeless Joe Jackson and field of dreams. Yeah. And then every, everyone else in the end zone got slimed, but not the person who caught the touchdown. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, my favorite one was young Sheldon explaining a holding call. And he's like a holding call is when uh, you illegally grab hold of someone's jerseys someone's jersey and he's like i usually wash my hands a lot and don't like touching people's hands so this is my favorite penalty of the ball i was like <laughs> that was that the, the great and they, i didn't even notice until like a quarter of the way through the game i eagle's son noah was the one broadcasting the game and i was like hmm this sounds a little bit familiar uh, yeah. yeah and um in terms of the actual football that happened on the field uh the Bears just so yeah, we do, were yeah. so clearly and obviously not a playoff team. The Bears were the Bears, the Bears. just undisciplined, just, just not good football. Uh, the Saints' offense was very okay until about the second half. They, then they turned it up a little bit. Michael Thomas is clearly a difference maker. He certainly helps Drew Brees. Um, and the thing about Drew Brees, which I worry about. Only Alex Smith had a lower intended air yards per attempt this season. So, and I was looking at his next gen stats, like throwing chart as to like where he was throwing. 
he can still like kind of throw a deep ball, but for the most part, he's throwing balls within 10, 12 yards. And that's something that I think that yeah. can really limit them. But then again, it's they have Michael Thomas, who is a slant-heavy wide receiver, and Alvin Kamara, who's receiving out of the backfield. Hmm. Well, did anything really impress you about the Saints? Uh, the only impressive thing is that they held the Chicago Bears rushing to 2.5 yards per attempt when David Montgomery was absolutely just running all over yeah, everyone. Yeah, we weirdly explosive the last part of the season. I'm like, oh, where'd, where'd this come from? This, that's who I like wanted him to be when I drafted him for my fantasy team last – or not this season, but the year before that, and it was not yeah. good. Um, but, yeah, then he, then he turned to his uh, early midseason self, and it was not good. Well – I want you to finish the sentence. At the start of next season, Nickelodeon valuable player Mitch Trubisky will be a backup on uh, the Bears. I don't see the Bears trading him. Okay, I, I said not a Chicago Bear. I it's hot. <sighs> I I just don't think you can keep him at this point. I think I think you can keep him, um, for the fact of running a team like the Colts ran this year, where Jacoby Brissett's the rushing QB, Philip Rivers is passing QB, or specialize in. That's the thing, because Taysom Hill specializes in running. And I'm trying to think of other backups. Mitchell Trubisky, Mitchell Trubisky, Mitchell Trubisky runs well. I mean, he'll get you like a first down on a scramble or something. Whoopee! But I don't know. I feel, yeah. Oh, I okay. I really see uh, cap. There's no way the cap works out. But Carson Wentz going to the yeah. Bears. I don't know how the cap would work out on that. Yeah, everyone says everyone says the Colts, but I really don't think that Carson Wentz is going to the Colts. I mean, that'd be a nice destination. Um, what about the Patriots for Wentz or Trubisky? Because Cam Newton would just I mean, look horrible. Did you see that the? Football team was ready to offer Cam Newton a twenty to thirty million dollar contract for next when year. When was that reported? Is that like today? Uh, no, that was like a couple days ago. Well, I mean, well, I mean, obviously, if Cam goes to Washington for thirty million dollars, that would be incredibly stupid, in my opinion. But then you've got Jared Stidham in New England, and I'm certain they would want an upgrade over that. Yeah, a massive two-year deal. Uh, Adam Scheffner on the Greg Hill Show said the most natural spot for Cam Newton would be Washington if he's going to leave New England. As for what the contract might look like, he said in quotes, I'm going to guess two years with incentives, 40 to $50 million. So obviously not fully guaranteed, but I would be doing a lot of head-scratching considering it took Cam Newton a lot of effort to throw the ball. And it always seemed like it was just yeah, going straight down. Yeah, you couldn't throw the ball more down. than like 15 yards down the field. It, it was not fun to watch. 
right. Yeah. That, that was pretty that's pretty much all I, mean, I have for the Saints Bears. That was a really boring game, other than the Nickelodeon broadcast, obviously. Yeah. All right, let's go to the mm-hmm. the day game on Sunday. Ravens Titans. Ravens Ravens Titans. So although the Titans seem to receive attribute boosts every time they play the Ravens, the Ravens plain and simply look sick and tired of losing to Tennessee. And that showed. One thing yeah. I noticed was the maturation of Lamar Jackson and the resilience of the Ravens. Lamar Jackson had a terrible start. I mean, the out the first interception, it was an out route to the right, and the throw was supposed to go to the sideline, that... and he to- just completely missed him. I, I kept <laughs> looking to see if the ball slipped or he was hit a little bit, but no, it was just a terrible throw i'm like oh no here we go yeah that was one of the worst throws i think i've ever seen okay, in my there's, life there's got to be a throw worse than that no no, no 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 just because that was just it was it was jared goff has horrible. multiple candidates to to beat that but even though that that was a really bad throw i'm i'm sure i'm sure jared goff has worse throws than that Anyway, oh my God. that was just he just needed yeah. Lamar Jackson needed to get free just just once to get going, and that forty eight yard touchdown yeah. was absolutely blissful. Like he 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 needed that. Yeah, like it so badly. Mm-hmm. Just an, a lane yeah. to open up and the chance to show off why he was the MVP last year, which I often forget he was the MVP last year, but. He's just so electric. Like the a bit, yeah. Dan Orlovsky was breaking it down on NFL Live. Like Jackson recognized that he, the Titans were playing man-to-man coverage and that no one was going to be accounting for him. And so once the offensive line did their job yeah. opening up a lane, that's all they needed. That's all Lamar Jackson needed, and he and he took it. He just ran right around Kevin Byard, and from there it was a foot race. And it was so yeah, amazing I mean, to watch, especially considering the demons that have been chasing Lamar Jackson for a few years, a couple of years now. Yeah, there were giant things that stood out. One is Ravens continue their hot streak. They won one, two, three, four, five. This is their sixth win in a row. Yes, a lot of those were against the Jaguars. Yeah, and the t- a lot, lot of teams. But a, a, a win is a win. The... Um, Second thing was uh, Robert Griffin tweeted Pat McAfee before the game, and he said, we're going to get our bike back. Whatever that means, the Ravens got their bike back. They shall be riding into the sunset with a nice victory. And the third thing is, does Derrick Henry suck at football? No, the Ravens just did a really good job containing him. Because, I mean, he had 40 yards on – 18 carries. I mean, I'm not saying I'm the greatest, but I feel like I could do something like that. I'm absolutely <laughs> kidding as a unit. But I don't I don't understand why A.J. Brown, first quarter, has five receptions. Uh, I don't know the math on the yards, but I know he had one less reception okay. than he did the entire game. But first quarter, five receptions, like 56 yards and a touchdown, which was really, really, really close to his entire postseason last season and then the other three quarters he had 
Okay, one more so reception. I'm very glad you brought that up because that was one point I wanted to make yeah. was the Ravens made a key second-half adjustment on defense. So according to Next Gen Stats, yeah. the Ravens' first half blitz percentage was 64.3. They were totally selling out on the run. They were, selling, they were sending everybody to stop Derrick Henry, and it was working. And in the second half, that number plummeted all the way down to 30.8% because, as you said, the one thing the Titans had going for them on offense in the first half was the passing game. Tannehill was able to find open receivers that were covered – on an island with their cornerbacks, including A.J. Brown. So the Ravens, that since they were bottling up Derrick Henry, maybe they were like, oh, we don't need to sell out on the run every time. Let's drop a few people back. And A, that is what probably led to A.J. Brown getting shut down, and B, that's what caused Ryan Tannehill to throw the game-stealing pick and initiating a dance mm-hmm. party on the Tennessee Titans logo. Yeah. That was magical. That, that was a great image. Um, bra- just uh, bravo to the Ravens defense, going from giving up 195 yards on the ground to Derrick Henry in last year's divisional game all the way down to 40. Great job. Last year, against loaded boxes in the divisional game, Derrick Henry had 6.5 yards per carry. Against the Ravens on Sunday, he had 1.8 yards per carry. His longest gain was 8 yards. On Sunday, Derrick Henry yeah. this season had 11 games where he had a run of 15 or more yards. The past, yeah, the past two games, he had he combined for, I think it was like 313 rushing yards. Yeah, just two, the past he had 250 two against Houston. Yeah, he passed Granted, 2,000 he had, rushing he yards. He carried the ball 34 times, but still, 7.4 yards a carry. I, yeah. Um, one other or two other interesting facts. One I didn't realize: Lamar Jackson was sacked fifty, or not fifty. <laughs> wow, Houston Texans rude. child. Wow. Woo. I was sacked five times. I'm pretty sure that's fourteen. That's either QB hurries or blitzes. Uh, but still, five sacks is a lot for him to be taking, especially that he runs. And the biggest thing of the day, which in my eyes is bigger. Then the Browns opening mm. up twenty-eight to zero is Justin Tucker missed okay, a field goal. Okay, it was from goal. fifty-one yards. That's like, that's like pass. I, that's like sort of forgivable. No, it's obviously forgivable. It's just no, he, he doesn't, doesn't He's a miss. Robot. He has the highest um, field goal conversion percentage Ever. by three percent over Adam Vinatieri are probably even higher because he made two later on. But I was, like, flabbergasted because that's the second one that he's missed this season. He, he missed, missed one against one... the Browns, I think. Yeah, I really I, want to say it was the yeah, Browns. Yeah, that was – that was, yeah. Yeah, and, and then, then he, he made, made the game, game winner. winner. Um, yeah, that was pretty it's, shocking. It's Justin Tucker. That was pretty shocking. I, that, was, that was nuts. Uh, one last thing. A few more people to praise on the Ravens before we move on. Marquise Brown, seven catches, 109 yards. Mm-hmm. I think he has been the most criticized mm-hmm. player on this podcast, and rightfully so. He was not good throughout a majority of the season. That's all you. That I know. All you. And he has turned it around lately, and he has become a difference maker for the, for the Baltimore Ravens, the one that 
they hoped to have in him when they drafted him. Mm-hmm. And so just props to Marquise Brown for, for showing up and making a difference. One play that really stood out to me that proved the maturation of Lamar Jackson last drive, icing the game with a long run. He's running down the sidelines, and he slides inbounds to keep the clock running. Great. Yeah. And so the Ravens, they had gotten bullied on defense the past two games against the Titans, and they took that personally. They were just plainly sick and tired of it. And also, these two teams used to be in the same division, and if the Titans have ever had any rival ever, it, it, it's the Ravens. And yeah. the Ravens took it personally, and they got the job done. And this was the reason why people, a lot of people, at the beginning of the season picked the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. So that game against the Bills is going to be a must-watch. A lot of people picked the Ravens at, to win the Super Bowl. I don't know anyone who didn't pick the Chiefs. A lot of people Chiefs. were picking the Ravens at the beginning of the season. Either you picked the Chiefs or you were heavily under the No, no, no. The people were not, picking, were not picking the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs were obviously the majority, but there were people that weren't going with the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah last thing I want to say on the Ravens is I just realized they have $26 million in cap room. I know they obviously have people to sign, but one thing I'm noticing is obviously you have Marquise Brown, so you obviously have a speed receiver. You have Mark Andrews, so you have a very, very – Which is rare, which is end. rare in the NFL. Nowadays. Imagine they could be prime targets for Julio. If you told me five years ago, six years ago, that Julio Jones and Des Bryant would be on the Julio trading Jones block. and Des Bryant would be on the same team, I would be like, shit, that team might be going to the Super Bowl. How about like I mean Julio was like injured this season, he missed some oh, games, he didn't have the greatest season. Imagine hearing yeah, but imagine hearing um, uh, four years ago that Julio Jones was on the trade block. Like, I don't know any team that doesn't want him. Like, imagine him obviously on the Ravens. Imagine him on the Green Bay that, Packers. That be, okay, okay, that 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 that's that's cheating. That, that would be, will. I feel like the NFL would literally step um, in and Chris Paul veto style that. I'm I'm like very I'm I'm Devante Adams I'm and Julio Jones would not let that happen. with a training camp on the same. T- oh my god! I mean, I don't know. I could see him going anywhere that the Sean Watson goes, but it seems that. Oh, I mean, see, Miami won. Or Miami won ten games playoffs strictly off of their, strictly off of their defense. Like they have a. I really want to say piss poor running game. No offense, Miles Gaskin. Matt Breida. Uh, Matt Breida. Um, but yeah, they're they've got Devontae Parker, who like is he just good, took a, he just took a while to break out. Rip. Everyone was pinning him a breakout candidate from his rookie year. It just never happened until this year. Yeah. All right. Enough of hypotheticals. Yeah. Let's move on. Saturday night game. Tampa Bay visiting Washington to face the football team in what was a competitive game. The greatest game I've ever seen in my life. Played by Washington. I've I've never – I mean, okay. Obviously, at ODU, 
We're obviously mm-hmm. talking about Taylor Heineke, who some yep. people call him Heineken, because makes everyone else look like they're drunk on defense. He was the um, Heisman for the FCS at Old Dominion. Uh, I don't remember what they call that award. Then he becomes essentially or goes undrafted, becomes a practice squad player underneath um, Tom Brady for some time, bounced around other teams. He was an XFL second string QB. Like, that is. Nuts. I cannot. I, oh, sorry, keep going. That. I'm sorry. I need to go on a rant. This kid, Mitt Man, who's 27 years old, who is a prob- at least 10 years younger than Alex Smith, played the game of his life. There was a play that a defensive end jumps. And he ducks underneath of him, runs for 10 yards. And all of his incompletions, you could track down to something else happening. There was one 40-yard pass where uh, I think Sims stuttered and then had to catch back up, had both hands on the ball and dropped it. So that probably shouldn't have happened. And that would have been probably a touchdown. No one was even near him if he doesn't stutter. You have... uh, possible pass interference call and then the interception that he threw was tipped by the defensive lineman so I kind of consider those like half interceptions they're just kind of unlucky because usually tipped by a defensive lineman just ends up in a dead ball but oh my god he's mobile like if you're a football team fan you were definitely salivating after cutting Dewey Haskins for this kid Man. I cannot remember a Washington quarterback rece- receiving as much praise from his teammates as Taylor Heineke. Yeah, well deserved. He left it. He left it all out on the field. He might have earned himself some money too. Mm-hmm. Those are the games where you dream about, like you daydream about playing in your backyard, like the 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 yes. the at the outpost to the left corner of the end zone. Oh my! Like you, you could, geez, like Tom Brady could not have placed that ball like any better. Like that was yeah. such a such a nice throw. And then the 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 scramble to the left, diving for the pylon, like that. That's a winning mentality. And as a I, yeah. as a Washington fan, I was texting a few of my friends who were Washington fans. They were all insanely proud of the way they played. They said they hadn't seen them play that well since RG3 was there. I was just going to say that. That's like kind of who he reminds me of. All right. Well, hopefully he doesn't have a terrible like, injury history later. Knock, well, okay, knock on wood. Yes. Sorry. Knock sorry. on wood. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Yes. Um, he was uh, – I don't know what the dash 17 is. I really should brush up on that. Um but I'm pretty sure that's QB hurries, yeah. or at least they get to the QB. They got to the QB 17 times. He only got sacked twice. A looseness. There was one play. In, there was one play in the pocket where he has all four defensive linemen essentially surrounding him. He takes a step back, jukes to the left once, splits two, and then the middle linebacker tries to push him, and he isn't phased and gets a first down. Like. There was just I, I, I was I was impressed Sorry. with Washington. I was I was, I was very so, impressed with Washington and you I was just, sound like you are 
I was so happy. And I'm I'm not even a football team fan, and I was just so happy to watch a great and, football and game. And in a game where we didn't expect it to be a good football game. As as for as for Tampa Bay, yeah. they look they look fine. I mean, they took care of business down the stretch. Uh, their offensive line protected Brady well, for the most part. He took three sacks. Um, yeah. But Tom Brady was making some insanely impressive throws. Yeah, he threw for 380. Well, some of those specific so. throws, like he had the one where he kind of threw across the field yeah. to Evans. Like it was just in a perfect spot for mm-hmm. his tall receiver to go up and get it. I thought it was funny how yeah. Brady was praising Chris Godwin about how he had like mm-hmm. the best hands of any receiver he'd worked with. Drop. I think it was Randy Drop. Moss. Like, sorry. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I remember that. <laughs> other than Tom Brady, uh, Tom Brady also one thing people were saying he couldn't throw a deep ball. Tom Brady can still throw a deep ball. I don't know what people are talking about. Who, who said Tom uh, Brady couldn't throw a deep not ball? Not one specific person, but there was a lot. Yes, yes, people. I people, sound like a people. Th- that's a terrible argument. I know people, but there there was speculation that Tom Brady could not throw a deep ball. I know that's a terrible argument. I know speculation yeah. is a terrible word, but he's he's he still got it. And if anyone thinks he still he cannot throw a deep ball or still doesn't have it, they're casual. They don't know what they're looking at. So nothing about the Bucks really impressed me. Like I wasn't blown away by anything. I yeah, mean their defense I'm... was a little bit problematic, giving up twenty three points to a, a team that. Yeah, it's I, the I, Heineke, sure, the Heineke, I guess. Heineke I guess. Gets a pass. I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. The only thing was that, like, the Bucks only put up thirty one points. There were a lot of times um, where just Washington's pass defense just sucked at points. That like, was like their – that was like a sneaky were, good like statistical unit throughout the season for Washington. They were like one of the better pass defenses yeah, in the entire league. Yeah, them – yeah, them and the um, like Giants. The reason that they started winning – like a lot of their defense. games late was because of their defense. I mean, Chase Chase Young is going to probably mm-hmm. win Defensive Rookie of the Year as he should, and like they played really well on defense. And then it's not even Brady picking them apart. Like there were a lot of plays. Mike Evans is yeah. just on an island. <laughs> I don't know where everyone went. I mean, yes, they have an abundance of weapons, so it's really hard to cover them all. But for a team that their shot of winning was based on defense, they did not look good. It'll be – their matchup with the Saints next week will be very intriguing because obviously they got blown out in prime time. Like, it was, that was like such – I was watching – I was re-watching the game. It Twice. Was, nah, the first Twice. one wasn't really a blowout. The second one was like a demolition. Mm-hmm. That, that the was first just like one a, was just like – the I would Saints, call it like, like a comfort, a good comfortable better, win. But the the Bucks like put up some points still, but the second game was just a complete abomination. One thing on the Bucks, I don't know how Leonard Fournette lasted on the waivers as long as he did. Like he's a good running back. I don't know why teams mm-hmm. didn't take notice of him sooner. People give up. 
like obviously the running back career is really, really, really short at this point, unless your name is Frank Gore. But I mean, Leonard Fournette came out in the draft class with uh, Christian McCaffrey, with Joe Mixon, with um, Aaron Jones was in that 2017 draft class. And he was the best one in that draft class rookie year, and then he gets cut. So, I don't, I, really I, I, I don't, I don't know either. Know what that says, other than people's perception of a running back. It is weird. I mean, really granted, weird. they don't have very long shelf lives, other than a few outliers. But Fournette is certainly mm-hmm. he, well. It's yeah, not it's that not like short. Two or three year career, but compared to other positions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a re- it's a relatively shorter career compared to other positions. Yeah. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Last couple points are the Antonio Brown Tom Brady connection. Uh, it it looks like it's working. I mean, yes, Antonio Brown only had two receptions, but he averaged twenty four yards on those two receptions. And um, Ronald Jones not playing, and the running game still looking as good as it did. Um, was a good thing to see. I mean, usually it's it never ends up being like a split backfield that game because mm-hmm. it's always like one of them's really good, and then the other one's just having like an off game. I know Ronald Jones has fumble problems, um, but yeah, to see uh, their running game being as effective as it was right, was a good thing to on. see. Rams Seahawks from this fanless, or excuse me, not century, like Lumen Field. I want to start with the Rams' defense because they're awesome. There's so many – there's just so many playmakers. They looked like the team that in the regular season gave up the fewest yards per game and was second in sacks. I said it on last week's podcast. Yeah. Like, this defense can throw guys at you and will make you feel uncomfortable. They can match up with a lot of these playoff teams. I mean, Rus- they, they forced Russell Wilson 11 for 27 a 17.6 QBR, five sacks, and the worst pick six I have seen probably all year. (laughs) When that happened, I knew it it was probably over. Because that just just can't happen. I mean, I know that that was a great defensive play by Darius Williams, but I feel like Russell Wilson should have learned about defensive backs anticipating a short throw f- from prior experience in playoff well, games. What, one would. Sorry, I, oh, had go, wow. I had to go there. Wow. I had to go there. I, I had to go I there. Didn't, hey, hey there. I mean, you didn't have to. I mean, it was it was set up for you perfectly on the table, but you could have just, like, refused the meal. I, the, I meal mean, the meal looked too good. Anyway, Damn. back to the Rams defense. <laughs> They got to Wilson. They often got to Wilson with just four pass rushers. And minus the long DK Metcalf touchdown where he just kind of snuck behind the defense, the Rams took away the big play. And it was pretty shocking to see the Seahawks go from probably the most lethal big play offense to one of the worst late in the season. And Ramsey and John Johnson – and all those guys in the secondary, they completely took away the big play. And when you can get to guys, when you can get to the quarterback with just four pass rushers and minus Aaron Donald for a lot of the second half, that, that signals a good defense. So if I were the Packers, I, I would be 
I would definitely be on the lookout for a lot of a lot of these playmakers. They better hope it snows or something. I mean, it's not like they're not not like they're not favored. It's lamb, but that defense that defense is really really good. It's Lambo. It's going to be like wet snow nice and then bowl. Like mid game, mid mid game, it's going to stop, and then as soon as soon as the Rams, yeah, it's going to be like Belichick controlling the weather against the Ravens. Sleeting. I bet. I uh, bet Matt Lafleur has got something up yeah. his sleeve. Not of the seat. Not out of the. Or yeah. did you have um, another point on the Rams? I mean, Jared Goff. Yeah, that, that's that not good thumb. when you're a quarterback. I think we mentioned we mentioned this off the podcast. You said. He's gonna have four good throws, and then there's one throw that you're just gonna look at and be like, "Yeah, there was that one play where throw I think uh, Cooper Cup or Rob, I forget which one it was, but they like ran a post route to the middle, and Jr. got through it, and it was just wrong. Like it, he he completely missed him. I'm like, yeah. oh shoot, he better hope that doesn't happen on like the last drive down four. Yeah. Um... Last two things, uh, Cam Akers, he's 131 been great. rushing yards, even though he only had, yeah, um, even though he only had 4.7 average, well, that's, that's those were like a lot of attempts too. Unlucky, yeah, they were like unlucky holes. Um, another thing is Aaron, Aaron Donald going out with a rib cartilage tear, which is usually a three-week injury, and uh, Ian Rappaport says he's going to be back Thank you, Stephane, in uh, a couple of days. For the injury so. update. Appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> As for the Seattle Seahawks, that was so oh. disappointing. Every way you look at it, especially considering their red hot start, six and zero. Russell Wilson's getting MVP votes, and then they they just went backwards from there. It, it's the same. It's the same story as last season. Last season, Russell Wilson through the first three games or four games was absolutely unconscious. Russell Wilson through the first six games of this season is absolutely unconscious. I mean, he's got great weapons. Like, yes, their run game isn't the greatest, but Russell Wilson with his scrambling ability averaged 12 and a half yards per carry. I mean, four carries, but still. They got 4.8 yards um, per carry from Chris Carson, and he's got DK Metcalf and Tyler Those Lockett. are the best two weapons like, he's ever had. Like objectively, the the one before that is probably like Doug Baldwin. Yeah, no, a couple of games would go off, but not, but no, 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 but not, not to this, not. Hey, hey, I was getting to it. Relax. (laughs) Um, but not to this level. Um, and it's a Rams offense that isn't great that put up thirty points against the. Uh, Legion of, what are we calling this? Legion of, well, I need somebody rhymes with uh, Legion of Boom. Uh, I mean, you could just be like Legion of Doom. Intimidating, but like not, in a, right. but not in a good All way. All right, we'll, we'll we'll think of something. So, Russell Wilson looked about as sharp as a dull knife. He he was he was he was missing stuff all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> According to Pro Football Focus, through the first three quarters, the Seahawks generated negative .78 expected points added per pass play. So 
that's I think that's just the fancy way of saying like how many points you could potentially score off the pass play. Um, to put that into perspective, that's yeah. the fifth worst mark Pro Football Focus has recorded by any team in a game all season. And when was Pro Football Focus established? When? I have no idea. Yeah. Within the last decade. Boom. I was yeah. probably right. And then <laughs> Wilson was also pressured on 13 out of his 20, 24 dropbacks. That's more of a testimony to the Rams defense, but the Seahawks offensive line was just not up to the task. Mm-hmm. One thing to, one thing I've learned yeah. about how to get a good perspective on sort of the state of the team is to go to social media and type in Seahawks and look under their Instagram comments and look at their Twitter to see like what people are saying about the team. Like, for example, I'll take the Giants because yeah. I know the Giants better than probably all other 31 teams because that's the team I follow the closest. And when Evan Ingram drops a pass or causes an interception, it's like the Giants community is like, oh, that's the pro, that's the pro bowler. Or that, Evan Ingram, just a yeah. quick little stat, he's uh, caused a majority of Daniel Jones' interceptions. I think Daniel Jones has like 10 or 11 interceptions. Huh. Evan Ingram has caused a majority of them. Yeah, they need to edit interceptions or at least put that in a basic stat where it's like, if yeah. this wasn't like, like, it's like uh It's like earned runs in baseball. Like I feel like it, it should go like that. Oh yeah, we're like if it's an or like error if a pitcher comes in path, then... and like with with the bases loaded and yeah, then he gives then it up goes a grand to the other slam. Person. Yeah, they so. only get what is it one? So the Seahawks, yeah. it was just a, 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 just a bad game. It's going to be a weird off season. I, I don't really know what else they can mm-hmm. do because I don't think they have a ton of cap space to work with. All of their picks are going to the defensive side of the ball. Um, It was a shame that Jamal Adams was playing the game really injured. Because I think that sort of limited Mm -hmm. what he could, like, it it limited what he could do, especially considering his blitz-heavy play style. But a lot Mm -hmm. of questions for the Seahawks. For the Rams, um, they better bring it in Green Bay. Because it's going to be a tough task. We will certainly be watching Devontae Adams versus Jalen Ramsey. That is going to be probably the best mono mono matchup of, of the weekend. I'm excited to see that. I mean, no. <laughs> Devontae Adams is going to eat him alive. All right. All right. I would, if I, if I was of legal betting age and had betting money to spare, I'd put a lot of money on all right. Devontae Adams going off. Hot take from Mr. Vanderwall. All right. Last game. We need to talk about Colts Bills. First thing mm-hmm. we need to talk about is Josh Allen's incredible improvement. He doesn't do dumb stuff anymore, or at least not nearly as much as he used to. The game has looked a lot easier to Allen. His improvisational yeah. ability has 
significantly improved. Like, for example, in the playoff game against the Mm -hmm. Texans last year, there was one play late in the game. I don't know if it was in overtime, but he was running. And I think he had the first down, but he was trying to get more. He was being tackled, and Dawson Knox was behind him. And Josh Allen lateraled it to Dawson Knox. And he completely missed him. And luckily, Knox had the awareness to slap it out of bounds, so Houston couldn't recover. Josh Allen... Uh, to or not today on Saturday, his first touchdown. That's an was an actually good use of improvisation. He was looking for the run, couldn't find the run, and shot put the ball to Dawson Knox in the end zone for the least visually appealing touchdown of the entire playoff so far. But hey, it was great improvisational ability by Allen. He's it was a touchdown. His completion percentage has jumped 16 freaking percent since his rookie season. That's – there's no way anyone's topped that. And on throws 20-plus yards down the field, Allen was – Allen was four for five for 129 yards and a touchdown. That's honestly outstanding from a guy who would just – constantly air airmail receivers on not just deep balls but middle of the field throws and even short passes so i josh allen has to be one of the best developmental stories in the league Mm -hmm. well do you have anything to add on josh allen um he can throw sure the ball can. 83 yards. Um, yeah, his crazy thing was his, like you mentioned his accuracy, but and specifically his deep ball accuracy. And there was a stat, and I'm pretty sure he was completing like 30% of his deep balls like rookie year, and now it's at like 60. Like I could be completely misstating those numbers, but it was bigger than a 20-point increase. It is ridiculous. Which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, that, the, this has been proven that mm-hmm. if you get a quarterback and a good organization or really anybody, this Bills team has maximized the potential of a lot of its offense. It's like the Raptors almost. I mean, Isaiah – the the Raptors Raptors from suck. like 20 <laughs> – the, the Nick Nurse era minus this year. <laughs> We're, 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 ta- we're taking away this year. Good, good point. Good point. But we're taking away this year. Like Isaiah McKenzie on a poor organization. Isaiah McKenzie on the Eagles is not nearly the football player he is on the Bills. Nor is Cole Beasley, who I was talking on the podcast with Gabe, yeah. and I was talking about. I was playing Madden, I was doing a fantasy draft, and I saw that Cole Beasley was a 91 overall. And I looked at it, and I go, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because he's a difference maker. At seven, seven catches for 57 yards might not sound like much, but Josh Allen really loves those just short out routes Beasley runs. And Beasley's really good at getting that extra yardage on those like dives. He just always falls forward. Which is which is really nice, and he was toughing out an injury. He was toughing out an injury, so that Bills offense did not look as white hot 
as people may have. He's an okay, I swear to God, I saw a 91, but that may have been a different different version. It's like 91 anyway, is a little high there. I want to talk about the Bills having fans. Because I, I believe that they were allowed, mm-hmm. my number I've written down here is 6,700. They allowed in Orchard Park. It I'll sounded check. like 67,000. Maybe that's because we were not used to listening to fans at the game. It is six, God, is, was 6,700? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah, Thank nice you. job. But who who that kind of had an advantage because when the Bills did something good, it might it it had to have been refreshing to hear actual people cheering, and not just artificial mm-hmm. crowd noise. And then, yeah. the last thing I want to talk about with the Colts, that had to be the most Philip Rivers game ever to. And Philip Rivers' career. You had special teams miscues, mm-hmm. missed opportunities on offense, and a last minute potential game winning touchdown drive with no timeouts, having to go the length of the field, coming up just short. I honestly think the Bills, or excuse me, the Colts, should have won this game. Will. If you yeah. are Frank Reich in that it was ten to seven at the end of the first half, the the Colts are on the Bills one yard line. They it's third and goal. They try to run it with Taylor to the left, gets completely blown up. Now they're at the three and they go mm-hmm. for it. Will do you go for it in that situation? Do you take the three points? I take the three points. There were a lot of – that was something I was going to bring up. There were a lot of yes. those decisions throughout the weekend. Um, you had this decision. You had Tomlin's decision to punt fourth and two. Um, oh, uh, Tennessee's decision to punt um, fourth and very short. There were a lot of those. Um, for this game specifically – uh, Pat mm-hmm. McAfee on the Pat McAfee show, world's greatest football show, uh, pointed out that the Bills kind of had everything going their way. Like they got their toe tap catches, they got um, their completions. They did get um, unlucky in the yeah. uh, fumble overturn call, but in the end, that worked out. Um, one thing is that Philip Rivers actually had a better QBR. He had a 91.9 than Josh mm-hmm. Allen, but Josh Allen had a much higher rating. Another thing is he's not throwing to nearly as many weapons as Josh Allen is, which I think is something that's completely understated. Like He's throwing to exactly. Michael Pittman Jr., who mm-hmm. – I mean, Jack Doyle had seven receptions, and I'd know for a fact he got his first reception yeah. at, like, week eight. Like, he just – he doesn't have a lot of weapons, and he's doing a lot with a little, but it's really just that defense that was supposed to carry them. But 
you're not stopping the Bills who were dancing to Dude, MC that, that, Hammer that, that during practice this week because I was I was just watching it. They that just showed that how that really signifies like a connected team. I mean, I know it's just a little mm-hmm. stupid dance video. There was also a video where they were having a snowball fight. Like that sounds stupid, but like that yeah. signifies like this team is connected. Well, well, you've you've I, mm-hmm. I, we've I both mean, probably been on basketball teams where the chemistry was both really high and also really low, and it shows mm-hmm. on the court when you play. Like you know each yeah. other's tendencies, you know each other's mannerisms. Mm-hmm. Even on the the Diggs touchdown, the Stefan Diggs touchdown. The whole team was just – they were just vibing. Mm-hmm. Allen and Diggs were staring at each other, but, like, it wasn't weird. It was like – it looked like a brotherly connection. And those kinds of things I feel like are overlooked sometimes. Yeah. And even with the Ravens dancing on the mm-hmm. Titans logo, that mm-hmm. was a it – was, it wasn't just two people doing it. It was, it was the whole team. And I feel like that kind, mm-hmm. of, that kind of stuff gets overlooked sometimes. But yeah. that really signifies high team chemistry. Yeah, I again, I feel like everyone on the Bills team is happy and having fun. It's like the first time I've seen Stefan Diggs smile in a really, yeah, really, really long time. He hated being on the Vikings. And he was rightfully a, a a diva when he was there, but now that we saw the Vikings this season, we're like, oh, yeah, that that's understandable why he was annoyed. Yeah, and he's. Um, he was number one in receptions and number one in yards. Uh, that, that, that's no accident. Um, no. The other thing is that he's like 15th in touchdowns, but they're getting their touchdowns, so it doesn't so, really yeah. matter. That was, that was a close game. I thought it was going to be a close game, too. The, there were a lot, of betting, a lot yeah. of betting mishaps this week, and that's a whole nother conversation, but I think we're going to wrap it up. Will, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for chatting football. It is now past 1 o'clock in the morning here on the East Coast. We have school tomorrow, but not till late. Not till late. Mm-hmm. Later. Well, no. I got mine For some nine. of us. <laughs> not till later. Make I'm sure to animal. check out the blackandwhite.net. We, have all, we always have a nice batch of fresh stories going up a few best of snow award winning stories please go check those out of course check out the rutabaga.net walt whitman high school's satire website i had a few good laughs reading their new articles if you hate babies and you don't like people who wear shorts in the winter please go visit the rutabaga.net for some awesome satire (laughs) <laughs> Will, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Everyone, stay safe. Wear a mask when you go out in public. Uh, 